Hey, hey, welcome to the Vagistine Podcast. It's Vanessa here, and you know we're having courageous conversations about love, sex, and everything in between. And today we have on the sister in chief, the amazing, the Hazen sensation, <laughs> the Jesse Wu. Hey, Jesse, how are you? Hey, sister. <laughs> Good, how are you? Oh, dude, all right. Thank you so much for taking the time out to be on. I know you're busy. You out here. You, you sign contracts. You're doing the damn thing. So I'm excited <laughs> that you're on. So thank you. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me. It's so, an honor to be here. <laughs> so thank you so much. So just to let you know, everybody, like, Jesse Wu is just an amazing, amazing Haitian woman doing amazing things. She is an artist. She is a comedian. She's a fashion mogul, in my opinion. I mean, she's no, she, she, not really. come on, I come on now. You you arranging you arranging the wigs. You are adjusting the budget. You're doing oh, yeah. all of the things. Oh yeah, oh yeah. My my, 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 my tail is definitely secure. <laughs> Um, I definitely don't play about my hair and my makeup. That's for sure. <laughs> you be giving that's out, sure. you be giving us tutorials out here. And so it's just, you know, we out here, we're watching you. When I said that you were coming on the show, I got so many DMs. I got all the Miz on me, Miz on me, Jesse, I be yeah. doing all of those things. So it was. My blah, my blah. It's <laughs> So, you know, tonight we're going to be talking about all of Jesse's thoughts as it relates to everything that's just been happening. It's only been like three or four weeks since the R. Kelly, Mute R. Kelly um, uh, documentary came out. We're going to be right. talking about our thoughts. And so I wanted to bring Jesse on because Jesse just, just is one of those people on social media who's been really vocal and we just appreciate your voice, really vocal about you know, really shutting people down in the music industry, shutting down predators, period, and calling them out. And mm-hmm. we appreciate your voice for doing that. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So thank you. it's be- important. So before we get started, before before we go there, we got our first segment. The first sex segment is called Sex News. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All I right. haven't been having much of any sex, but <laughs> hey, let's go ahead and tackle the subject. We got you. We got you. All right. So our first, our first, the way that we do sex news, just because you know, you're new, you're new to the family, Jesse. So the way that we Mm -hmm. do sex news, I'm going to read out, you know, the summary of a story and you're going to tell me your thoughts and we're going to, we're going to share our thoughts on the story. Okay. All right. So on sex news, our first story is Mormon and therapist David Matheson. Um, he's a, devoted his career um, to doing gay conversion therapy. And so he's written books. Oh, wow. Yes, he's written books. He has gone been such a staunch, um, staunch supporter of making sure that ex-gay people, that's in quotes, stay straight. And oh, wow. his all of his work has been around trying to examine the root causes of homosexuality. So he has recently oh. come out as gay himself and he's one of the most prominent uh-huh. <laughs> gay conversion therapists in the country so the news is the gag is right the gag is the gag is that he likes to gag Zozo. okay gag. okay come on that's the gag <laughs> 
<laughs> so, <the> gag, <laughs> so he's come out like just just last week. He put out a Facebook post um, confirming his orientation. And he says, I know my work has helped many um, and has helped many people because they've told me so. He wrote, uh, but I'm sure I've hurt mm-hmm. people too. Not that I would excuse myself, but any shortcomings I had as a therapist come from my too narrow view of what emotionally healthy people look like. They came from my own homophobia and narrow mindedness. I'm mm-hmm. truly sorry for those flaws and the harm they have surely caused some people. And I'm sorry for the confusion and pain my choice has mm-hmm. been causing others. So, Jesse, mm-hmm. what you think? What, what, what's, what's up? You know, the, here's the thing is, I never understand when people try to ungay somebody. Come on. <laughs> okay. Um, I am a Christian, and, you know, of course, like in the Haitian household, Christian household, you know, they do tell you that, you know, people are going to hell, and this, that, and the third. All the time. And, you know, but in our culture, people, <laughs> I feel like Caribbean people always forget that you know, homosexuality is not the only sin that's identified in the Bible. And I think that goes for a lot of religious uh, folks, period, yeah. not just in the Caribbean sector of humanity. Yeah. Uh, I just think, you know, um, for some reason, being gay is like the one thing that gets like the most backlash. Yeah. Like, listen, I've grown to believe that, you know what, you are who you are. I'll never forget one of my friends from high school told me one day, he said, Jess, when did you realize that you were straight? Mm. And I said, I've always been straight. Mm. And he said, well, I've always been gay. You know, when he said that to me, I was like, you know what? It It doesn't get plainer than that. You know what I'm saying? Like, he always knew that's what he was. And I do believe that God creates people that way. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, you have people who know that that's what they are. And because they are in fear of that, they want to shame others and they want to ungay others. And it's like, you know what? It's 2019. If you gay, you gay. Like, right. gay is literally like the most loving people in my life are gay. Yeah. You know, like, I, I can't live my life without Right. You know, seeing the friends and family members that I have that are gay. Right. And so I'm glad that this person that 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 uh, what's his name? David. Uh, it's David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that he decided to finally come clean because that closet was probably too hot. Girl. And, you know, and so I'm glad that he could come out for air and accept himself for who he is. And at least he apologized because a lot of people do this and they never apologize. Right. He's apologizing. He's owning his gayness. And you know what? I hope that the people he hurt, like you said, do forgive him. There is forgiveness in, in, in God. God teaches us to forgive others. And I hope it's a lesson learned for everybody else who thinks it's their job to be ungaying people. Don't be trying to ungay nobody. Don't be trying to change. Let people live their lives. Please. Yeah, so the and thing, you live yours. So the thing that got me about this story is that I feel historically the people who are like the staunchest against something are the people that always yeah. got a little something going on. Like, why are you so... Yep. I feel like when people are so yeah. all about something, that makes me side-eye you because it's like, okay, yeah. you could just do your own work and just be quiet, but you want to write books, you want to have conversion therapy, you want to do the absolute most, and then look, he was probably operating from a place of self-hate 
when exactly because <laughs> he probably didn't have exactly. what he needed and so it's like again like you said it's great that he's able you know to see this within himself and hopefully he gets his healing and all of that but sir sir I'm, exactly go you know what exactly. I, I hope to see you at the next pride parade i hope i hope you out here right. Listen, <laughs> wave your flag <laughs> Wave your flag. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, twist it in the air like a helicopter. Okay. Be proud. Be you, and let people live their damn lives. Please. And that's the funny. It's the funny part that you talked about. You know, Haitian. Just our culture, the Caribbean culture, and just being Haitian. Because I just came from a trip from uh, Thailand with my mom, and we went to go see a show where mm-hmm. all the dancers in the show were all trans women. And so she was having a good time, right? So I had to lean in. I was like, hey, mommy, mm-hmm. mommy, Tunde, Tunde, um, you know, <laughs> you know, right. all, I said, you know, all these women are trans. And she was like, what? What? Yeah. No. She was like, they look so yeah. good. And it was you funny. Said Z. You said Z. <laughs> it was funny because. Mommy said Z. Right. <laughs> because when we were done, it was, that was her teachable moment, which, I mean, whatever. Mm-hmm. You, need to, you need to see them dancing on stage, I guess, for you to fully understand mm-hmm. the humanness. But she definitely came back to the hotel like, wait a second. All these people are trans. Yeah. All these people are yeah, happy. Girl. All these people. She was like, then why do they make it seem so bad in the United States? And it was like, it was an interesting conversation because she'd been walking around this whole time looking at me like, I can't believe you got this, this kinds of friends and, you know, you hanging out mm-hmm. with the gays and, you know, all of this stuff when she mm-hmm. just, she hadn't really thought about it or seen somebody. And so. Right. You know, we got work right. to do. <laughs> it's a, I, it's, it, we still got work to do, but yes. I'm going to tell you right now. And so to be honest, I feel like it's time for all of us to just embrace. Yeah. Embrace and take notes because <laughs> <laughs> it's their world and we living in it at this point. And I ain't mad at it because <laughs> I need all the slaves tutoring <laughs> that I can get, period. <laughs> all right. Period. <laughs> all right. So we got our next story. Are you ready? Yes, I am. All right. So the next the next story is an, is actually a study. I'm I'm taking you back to undergrad days. I'm taking you back, you know, to the science days. You know, all the science. Oh Lord. So a recent study. My, uh, worst, my least favorite subject. <laughs> so a recent <laughs> study niece. on um, unprotected sex was conducted, and basically the company found that. A thousand out of a thousand Americans surveyed, sixty-five point five percent said that they've had unprotected sex, and out of that sixty-five point five percent, twenty-nine point one percent said that they've had unprotected sex every single time. With the overwhelming, oh, overwhelming majority of respondents being women. And another mm. study that just came out showed that out of 2,000 people, they found that about 68% of people have never asked their partners if they've been tested before Ooh, sleeping with them. Child. Yes, ma'am. So the what you ghetto. think? That's <laughs> Stop the it. Ghetto. So what the do you think ghetto. this is all about? We're showing a high percentage. I think the most shocking part for me is that people, you have the overall, almost 70% of people never asking people if they've gotten tested. What do you think is happening? And we have overwhelming amount being women. 
I just want to go on the record and say, sisters, secure your capot, okay? Secure your capot. Gampina, nous ne pas connaître sa capot, vous l'avez dit. Ça veut dire condom. Condoms, y'all. Condoms. Condoms are your friend, okay? Let me tell you something. First of all, AIDS is still here, y'all. Everything's still here. I don't know if motherfuckers are forgetting that. HIV and AIDS Everything's is still, still around. Here. Like AIDS is still here. AIDS, um, STDs are still here, guys. And I bet if we looked at the the statistics of STDs, um, we definitely would be baffled. I know, um, Atlanta is a place that's well known for STDs. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think it was gonorrhea. I think it was. I know in Miami, like gonorrhea, syphilis. You know, herpes is still like a uh, y'all. Everything's out here. Do y'all think that y'all, maybe these women think their pussies are made of vibranium? I don't know. <laughs> vibranium. But Shut sus, up. <laughs> Your pussy's not made of vibranium. <laughs> you better go get you a condom. And, and let me tell you something. If you are uncomfortable or afraid to ask somebody if they've there been tested go. or if they could show you their test results, uh, you don't need to be having sex with this person. Period. Like, period. He works. Like, it's just too much. It's too much. And I just cannot deal with these statistics. I really want women to secure their pussies in 2019. I like let's it. Let's get condoms. Yeah, let's get some condoms. <laughs> let's ask for STD tests. Like, listen, your body is your temple, bitch. Okay? <laughs> that, is, that is biblical. Your body is your motherfucking temple. Please have security at the front of your temple doors. You had, okay. I, I just want to point out, you had Bible, temple, motherfucking pussy. You had everything. <laughs> you had all those words in, in the paragraph. same sentence, just in the same. <laughs> <laughs> like, I because I just got to stress it. Like, so even if you're going to be frivolous with your puss, <laughs> at least secure your puss. And that's all I'm saying. That's, that's my thoughts so on that. I think I you, I, I think you again hit the nail on the head. I think that, yeah, this is about when I read further into it and the person who wrote the, the story I was reading was basically, you know, even doing like a mini case study with their friends. And they were saying that like a lot of women were either like too afraid to ask a partner, didn't want didn't know how to bring mm-hmm. it or didn't know how to bring it up in the heat of the moment. And or I saw one respondent was like, well, I mean, I feel like that's a conversation I'm having with somebody serious. I'm not about to be having this conversation with my casual encounter. And I was like, "Okay, um, I see you, but the frivolous, the frivolous casual encounter might be the one, you know, like Mm -hmm. we just got to ask, period. Mm -hmm. And so. You know, yeah. when we have when we have the Vagistine workshops, that's the number one thing we all practice. The people who come to Vagistine workshops, Jesse, you got to come to one when you're in Baltimore. Uh, that's what we be practicing. Like, yeah. how do you ask for what you want in the bedroom? How do you ask yeah. for, you know, your safety? How do you ask a person comfortably? Because these conversations aren't easy. I'm, I'll, I'll admit it. For right, I teach young people, I teach older people, and it is not easy for people to just say, "Hey, can we just go ahead and get tested?" And I and I understand that comes with baggage, and you got trifling ass men out here who are looking at you like, "Yeah, what you mean? Why? Okay, 
Yeah. You know, honestly, to me, that's never been. I don't know when people say these 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 discussions and questions are uncomfortable. Mm. I really can't relate. Yeah. I really can't relate. I, I just, hey, hello, um, can I, can we get tested together? Um, when's the last time you've been tested? Like, it's not uncomfortable for me. Mm. Now, having sex with no condom, have I done that? Yes. I'm yeah. not going to sit here and lie. Like, yeah. you know, my last relationship after, you know, I ain't going to lie. After a little bit, you know, the condoms did, the condoms were thrown <laughs> out the window. They were. But this was after I established, you know, what his status was and he mm-hmm. established what my status was. Yeah. I don't care, you know, who it is. Like, I, I need to know. Mm. You know what I mean? I need to know. Because if anything happens, I need to be able to go back to where I got it from. Yeah. You know, trace it back. Yeah. You know, we, I'm not going to sit here and act like I ain't never raw dog. I ain't never been raw out here. I done got, I done got raw dick, all right? <laughs> but I checked the status first. Yeah. You got to check the dick status That's first. right. So That's right. Know the dick status first. <laughs> and then we can we can move on. Okay? And that's the thing. Like, I like how you said, you know, you just get to it. I think, I think, I mean, of course, things that we've explored on the show is like, even the bias when you go to the doctor, because I'm married. And when I go to the doctor, right. I'm like, check it out. I don't care. Because to me, being married, being single, being with everybody, it don't matter. But... I'm just trying to be safe out here. And I definitely had my doctor a few months ago look at me like, but why? Because, because, right. because, because right. I, got, I, I just got to be safe out here. Like what? That's it. Because stop, stop, stop. So, all right. And <laughs> so our last story, this was, this is not so much of a story. This was a question that I found that was written and <sighs> I mean, I got feelings, but I'm going to let you handle it and then we'll move on. <laughs> so this, this comes from Steph. It says, I have been with my partner now for three months. He is 28 and I'm 21. He's caring, affectionate, mm-hmm. and very respectful of women, which is important to me because my ex-boyfriend used to call me a slut. However, oh God. <laughs> you are in this story. No you are in this. However, he only seems to care about penetrative sex, whereas my orgasms are more intense from clitoral stimulation. I have mentioned this to him lots of times, but he always shrugs it off. I love performing oral on him, but he seems reluctant to do the same for me. Ooh. I've always Ooh, felt that sex should be devoid of any kind of obligation and want to give my partner as much pleasure as I can without feeling as if I should get something in return. But I find it really mm. difficult to do this when my desires mm. don't seem to figure very much in his idea of what pleasure is. Mm-mm. So, Mm-mm. Jesse, the ghetto. Jesse, <laughs> I tell I tell my sisters all the time I do not suck dick, and let me tell you something. <laughs> this is you know it's like the older I get, the more time goes by. The you know the bigger my platform gets, the more stories I hear. Mm-hmm. It's like y'all continue to 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 basically make me happy of my decision not to suck dick. What do you mean <laughs> to tell me you out here sucking dick, you out here sucking Zozo, you sucking the skin off this man Zozo, and the man ain't even tr- ain't even licking your top off? I like, mean, not even licking. you know, sis no, said, sis no, said she's trying, no, you know, she, she's doing what she likes, you know what I'm saying? What she likes. He... 
You little reluctant, no. she said. <laughs> you said no. 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 You said sucking the top off. No. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. It's like, listen, here's, here, Lord have mercy. I always tell women, I always tell my sisters, there is there are prerequisites to sucking dick, okay? <laughs> As a man, I feel like you should never be the first one to give a man oral sex. Like, that's just my thoughts. Nobody's going to get me to Interesting. Okay. The man should always please you first. The man is, he's supposed to please you first. You know why? Because it's harder to please a woman than it is to please a man. Come on. Once he pleases you, then you can go ahead and you can give them, you can give him what he needs. But I feel like a man should please you first. That's number one. Number two, imagine you sucking dick, you and, and you doing all it. The man ain't, the man ain't providing for you. He ain't paying no bills. <laughs> Not that he ain't. He ain't. Like, what, what, what is happening? What is happening, girl? You know. Like, just come on now. That's that's slavery. <laughs> that that is not. That is not the work of the Lord in your life. That is not what God created you for. You be sucking dick and you not getting pleasure. You not getting you you not financially taken care. You not emotionally you not emotionally taken care. Like what are you doing, ma'am? No, no. Listen, no, you know, no. sis is a giving is a giving lover, giving lover. Okay, so I hear no. you. You know, I didn't think about the I didn't think about the rule that you had, like getting getting yours first. Because I mean, here's my thing. I think oral sex. Who you got me thinking? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yes, you are correct. Not everybody's putting it down, and there is something called an orgasm gap, where where it is said that folks with penises are really getting mm-hmm. theirs in a larger mm-hmm. quantity, larger number, higher percentage. Versus those folks with vaginas. And so mm-hmm. I hear what you're Listen, saying. You know how many women don't, you know how many women have never had an orgasm? A lot. Like, come on. A lot. Too many women are out. And we're talking about women who are CEOs. Like, not the CEO status, Jen. Like, we got, we got women out here who are CEOs. Jesse's and like, they, listen, they you're a rocket scientist. We have, we have women who are doctors <laughs> who have never experienced an orgasm. We have women out here, like, if you are not a nun, th- that should not be your testimony. <laughs> Period. So, for me, I, this, I... No. Okay. No. Uh, I mean, you've if spoken. You, if, no. You spoke. I mean, I felt like you no. came out and reached reached at me through this computer screen. So I, I'm sorry yeah, that I asked. I'm, I'm done. I'm sorry that I asked. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> this is that was the, that was yeah that's slavery. I'm sorry, sis. If you're listening, I want you to free yourself. Our ancestors went through too much for you to be doing this. Year. Free yourself. Free yourself. Oh my god. Okay. And well, let God bring you what you really deserve. Amen. Amen. That's my wish for you in 2019. Free yourself. Amen. You. <laughs> All right. I so I appreciate you going through the sex news with me. We hadn't done sex news in a while. So I appreciate you being a good sport and jumping Thank in. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So we're going to move on to our second segment. You know, 
I wanted to chat with you because I feel like, like I said, you have been super, you know, just been really using your platform to help break down a lot of the conversations that we've been having with muting R. Kelly, talking about how our culture plays into this. And I just felt like your perspective Mm -hmm. was just so unique, especially I know you've spoken about being a survivor and how, you know, your journey. And so I just wanted to, I wanted to touch, I wanted to, to, to touch on that. So, you know, yeah. you've, you've put out some live videos and I noticed that something that you've brought up a lot has been around parent responsibility and mm-hmm. you were not playing about them parents leaving their daughters, <laughs> their daughters yeah. with a predator at yeah. all. And so like, what, are, like, I know, I know you have, you've expressed your thoughts a million times on this, but like, why do you think parents... Because I, I guess I'm mixed on this one, but why do you think these parents in particular um, were comfortable, you think, leaving their daughters with R. Kelly? You know, um, today I kind of came to the realization that I think a part of me was a little too harsh mm. on the parents. I never want to victim shame. I see. You. you know, at the end of the day, I don't think a parent would want that for their child. Mm, mm. You know, I don't think any of these parents wanted their child to be, you know, to go into sex trafficking. Yeah. That's basically what R. Kelly has. He has a sex trafficking ring. Of course. You know, his staff is complicit. His staff is very, very um, cooperative in helping him run what is basically a sex trafficking ring. Yeah. You know, something that started as just him being a predator and him being a child, you know, who knows? Him being a predator just turned into this system of having all these girls there. And so I don't think that that's what the parents wanted for their children, but these parents just ignored so many obvious signs, which led not only me, but millions of people to ask, what the fuck were you guys (laughs) thinking? Yeah. What the fuck were you thinking? Yeah. Like this is Robert Kelly Okay. The Pied Piper. Who, the Pied Piper. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Who was known for marrying a young girl, even if it was a rumor. Let me tell you something. Mm. I don't fuck with rumors like that. Yeah. Like, if I hear any child molestation, child predator, child, I'm not fucking with that. Period. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and that's that on that. And I don't give a damn what you think he might do for your daughter, what kind of career you think. Who have you seen R. Kelly put on over the years? Ooh. Ooh. I didn't think okay. about that. Aaliyah. Yeah, but it's like, Aaliyah, okay. That was like the, 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 the only person. Yeah. And then it's like, then years later, after right. the whole, you know, sex tape thing happened. Uh, well, no, before that. But years later, you had... Um, you had what's her, what's her name that was on the damn documentary? The girl's auntie. You mm-hmm. had Sparkle. Yeah, you know what I mean, but Sparkle didn't have like a career where it's like okay, you know, she wasn't no Mary. Yeah. So what the fuck were y'all really thinking? Like, what young girl did you guys see him? You know, putting out there, un, you know, other than the one girl that he was linked to marrying. Yeah. At an, at, at a very young age, right. I really feel like the parents were thinking about stardom and they were willing to do anything for that. And for me, that shows you how 
sometimes we're so willing to drink the Kool-Aid, bruh. Like, mm. we're so willing to drink that Kool-Aid. And um, it, 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 it's just very detrimental when you're willing to ignore, you know, obvious signs of bad behavior, you know, because of you want to reach stardom or you want to, you know, the parents were so negligent. Um, And I I think that, uh, yeah, I think that that's why so many of us were left thinking, like, what the fuck were you guys thinking? But at the end of the day, the culprit here is R. Kelly and everybody on his team. Period. Those are the people who are the monsters. The people who were... Oh boy. Yeah. Keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm cutting you off. But you know what? The thing the the thing about this entire story, right? Mm-hmm. And I hope that people it shows you how these types of people always have someone supporting them. Of course. They need the network. They need the system. He couldn't just be out there on his own. Yeah, they have a system. Yeah. There are people out there supporting them. There are people out there who know what's happening and are still willing to cover up for whatever yeah. the reason may be. Yeah. And that's a scary thought. Yeah. Because there are so many R. Kelly's out there. In our everyday there lives. There are so many R. Kelly's. They're everywhere. Lives, yeah. And when I say that, I mean, there are so many predators out there who have people who know they are predators. Yeah. Who don't say anything who don't do anything right who still bring them around children right right see you know who don't call the cops like it's crazy i mean i think yes i think you hit i think you hit several points i mean when i was when i was you know listening to you know your thoughts watching the documentary and um before we took a break on the podcast um me and one of my co-hosts had talked about had talked about all the various themes that we saw, and he was like, "Nah, like these parents ain't shit." You know the same. You know the same kind yeah. of things. And I personally think, yes, I think you know negligent, not paying attention. But for me, it was like deeper than that because I'm thinking through. All right, like you said, and like we all know, these stories didn't just emerge. They've been around. Yeah. We've been talking They've about this. Around. For the last 20 something, 20 something years, like when they were talking about in 1994, I was like, well, okay, wait a second. Like it's been a long ass time. And I think that I personally think for everyone to know these things and then to still um, be like, you know, yes, I want to, you know, still have my daughter work with R. Kelly or I still want to work with R. Kelly. I think it's how we view women and how we raise women. So, for instance, and yeah. follow me, follow me here. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. for instance, I know the way that I was raised. My mom always said, like, I'm not raising no booze. I'm not, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah, raising, yeah. I'm raising yeah. you to be yeah. an upstanding, respectable, blah, 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 right? I'm, I'm sending mm-hmm. you to school. I'm doing all these things. And so I'm thinking it could be a matter of I raised my daughter to be ex. Those other girls were fast. Those other girls were terrorized by this predator because they didn't have values. They didn't have morals. And it kind of, I feel like it kind of makes you turn a blind eye because you're like, 
okay, like I didn't raise her to be sleeping up with no grown ass man. So of course she's not going to do that. Right. When in actuality, it has nothing to do with her or us. It has everything like, you know, like we're all saying to do with this predator. But I think we just turn right. on each other so much as women that we can't even hear it. We can't even see it when mm-hmm. somebody's looking at us dead in our faces or the facts are literally there saying mm-hmm. he's done X, Y, and Z with 15, 14. Yep. He's done this thing to his own wife when she was 19. Yep. And yep. it's like, you know, we can blame, we can sit there and blame the wife, but best she was, she was 19. Like who were we right. when we were 19? Who were we when we yeah. were 16? We are not, we're not the same people. I'm not the same person right. I was that was at 19. I'm not making the same decisions that I was making at 19. But I think for me, that's how I can see that all of these things have culminated into this. I think we have the way that we raise daughters. Of course, we have this whole system that you're talking about. The people who feed right. into the system. And I think we all feed into it when we start doing this like, oh, she or that oh, I didn't raise my daughter to be that, or... And you had, yeah. like, the older women on there being like, I didn't I didn't want to believe it, but why? Why? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to believe you know it. It, it. You know what I don't like is that, you know, we... It just seems like most of us focus on raising our daughters a certain way, but we don't focus on raising our sons Woo! a certain way. And that can probably have a lot to do with the fact that, you know, a lot of our sons don't have their fathers in their lives to teach them you know, how you are supposedly supposed to to treat a woman. And then a lot of times our sons do have their fathers in our lives and the fathers ain't shit. And we still blame them. Yep. We still blame the girls for everything. Yeah, the fathers are telling them that, oh, you, like, if if you go home and you tell your daddy you slapped the girl on her ass, he's like, oh, yeah, oh, you did? You know what (laughs) I mean? It's like the fathers are either ain't there or they're not teaching them the proper way to treat a woman, you know, as they, as their lives progress. You know, when you are in elementary school, you don't touch a girl's butt. You don't touch a girl, you know, you don't touch a girl, period. You know what I mean? Then you get to middle school. Okay, this is how you approach a girl. This is how you talk to a girl appropriately. Right. When you get to high school, when you if you're going to be kissing, if you're going to be engaging in sex, these are the non-negotiables. This is what you cannot do. Right, right. You know what I mean? A lot of these boys are not taught that. Right. And then they go to school and they see their their friends doing dumb shit. You know what (laughs) I mean? And then you have, like, high school rapes. You know what I mean? Like, you have middle school rapes, you know? And, And you have... You know, you have kids who are are, are are displaying predatory behavior from very young ages mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they're, they're not being taught well. Right. I don't think that any child sets out to be a predator. Of course not. You know, but some somewhere, somewhere in a lot of these men's lives, the ball was dropped. Somewhere. Of course. You know what I mean? And, and I feel that, I feel that it's, a lot of times it starts with parenting. Yeah. What are you teaching your son? Right. Why is your son learning how to deal with a girl, you know, from world star videos, like yeah. world star hip hop videos? Like why, like, why are these children not being taught by their parents how to treat other, other children of the opposite sex? And I think that, you know, people really need to focus more on their fucking sons. Like, seriously. <laughs> yeah. 
No, like and some I, of these boys walk around here are, are, are I be seeing, I used to be a children's ministry um, director, mm-hmm. and I used to see some shit, and let me tell them kids love me, but I used to slap them kids upside their heads sometimes. I used to see some things, I'm like, let me tell you something, maybe your mama ain't slapping you at home, but Miss Jessica's gonna do it today. Not that Miss Jessica. Like, that's how I used to be. Not that, not that Miss like, Jessica. Like, I'm, I'm no, listen, and and I just feel like a lot of times it's the parenting, you know what I mean, from, from you know, just focusing on the sons. What are the sons being taught? You know, women are taught to behave right. Don't dress like this. Don't, Don't go say there. this. Yeah. Yeah, and even then, you still get raped. It doesn't prevent you from it getting raped. It doesn't prevent anything. You don't have to be a slut to get raped. No, absolutely You don't have not. to dress like a slut. To get raped. Whatever that means, right. You don't means, have to right. say, hey, come rape me to get raped. A rapist going to rape you regardless. Right. Yeah, I think that it falls into it falls into the whole system that you're talking about, though. The system says, put the blame on the girls for not yeah. regulating what the boys do. The system also says, try and coddle the boys because they'll always be this way. The system always... You know, the system says... You get to sit there and act a fool because we're talking about toxic masculinity and that men are trash. Like, you get right. to have little hurt feelings, but you don't call nobody out. You don't talk to your homeboys when something's happening. And I hate, yeah. the thing that gets under my skin is that I cannot stand that we can't stand as just women. It's just like, you're Jesse. I'm Vanessa. I'm, you know, we're just individuals. It, we always have to be mm-hmm. framed in relation to a man. In order to get sympathy. Oh. So it's always got to be like Jesse so-and-so's sister or Jesse so-and-so's wife or Vanessa so-and-so's yeah. cousin. Don't you care about, the, yeah. you know, what if it was your own? No, what if it was just a person? Like, we yeah. get into yeah. this. I think it just feeds into this. And then even, I felt like even when we, and boom, wait, wait a second. You hit, you hit it right there. The system also says, we still feel mm-hmm. sympathy for R. Kelly and we still give him our coins. And that's why his music is now uh, mm-hmm. streaming, is now streaming at record highs because uh, he makes good music. Oh, nobody knows what those girls are talking, to, uh, talking about. And I think something you said on your live, somebody said was, oh, that's all speculation. I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. Right. That, no. You know, people are still saying this. People are still <laughs> saying, well, it's all speculation. No. Like, let me tell you something. You've got to be a really cold soul. Come on. At this point to say things like this. But you know what I'm realizing is that a lot of people are, like, common sense is not common, no. bro. Like, you, like, common sense is so uncommon. And, and if you need a place to see that, just log on to social media. Just yeah. log on to social media. Read, read, read the mute R. Kelly. Read the surviving R. Kelly hashtag, and it'll it'll blow your mind. Yeah, it'll blow your mind. And then what? And then people wonder why victims don't come forward. Absolutely. These women were made to feel like they were the problem, and it's like I don't give a damn if this teenager was at the trial. This motherfucker was on trial. Yeah, Still picking up teenagers at down to the courthouse. <laughs> isn't common and a lot of these dudes have predatory behavior i saw so many dudes oh but a lot of y'all y'all was getting picked up by older niggas okay 
we was back in school, y'all was getting picked up by older niggas. Yeah, and those older niggas are child molesters. Molester, period. Like, it doesn't... Listen, baby, I don't care how you want to slice and dice it, baby, you still are a predator. Right. Period. Right. Right. Get the fuck out my face with this <laughs> bullshit. Like, oh, well, y'all was getting picked up. What What teenager don't want to get picked up by an older dude who goes in his mouth red? Money. He got money. Like, he what, has what, a car. But he knows what he has. But it's not even the owner. That's the problem. The onus is not even on us. The onus is always oh. on the uh, on the older person. You know exactly what oh. the hell you're doing. You know what you're doing. The right. reason why you're here at the high school is 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 already apparent. So. That's the thing, like, uh, and that's the thing. I think when I was talking to, you know, folks who've seen the documentary, and it, even my reflection of my own life, I w- yeah. when I was 18, I was talking to somebody who was 28, not really thinking, because I th- what do they always mm-hmm. tell us? They always tell us, oh, girls are way more mature, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And so it makes you feel like, oh, okay, yeah, of course I could be in the same court with a 20... 20- we had nothing... After a while, I realized myself, I was like, wait, like this dude's at the point where he's trying to wife me and I'm just trying to, no, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to be out here. An 18 year old with a 28 year old is not the same as a a, a 21 year old and a 31 year old. Right. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's not at all. The mind frame is different. The experiences are different. Right. It's not the same thing. Right. You know, and so people who try to justify it, honestly, I just be jotting these people down because I know when my kid, when I have kids, I don't want them near you, your offspring, your your associate, nothing. Absolutely not. Nothing. Absolutely not. Because I... And that type of parent who will kill somebody. Now, a lot of them, them parents on that documentary, that's the only thing I understand. Y'all would be in arm's reach of R. Kelly several times, and y'all ain't kill his ass? Oh, that, I can't relate. Oh, no. I'm Haitian, baby. I'm Haitian, baby. I, I act, and, I, and I'll apologize later. I'd have been down to the courthouse uh, pleading my case. But you're gonna die today. You oh put your hands God. on my child. Oh no. Oh God. It's just so no. it's just so many, so many, so many layers. But I think you I think you're alluding to something really big. I mean, why do you think that people still like we're talking about after documentary, after we saw yeah. we saw six count them, six episodes of a documentary. Yeah. Full, like, I mean, I probably, they didn't have as many commercial breaks when they had the new edition story on. Like, they gave you pure content for six episodes. And we are, and we still have folks. Yeah, and we we got, we got testimony. We got psychologists, which I really love because it helped, you know, give the background for people who are still denying the shit. And with, even with all of that, still, I think the next day I woke up, I mean, I don't know why I went on social media the day after, but people were still on there mm-hmm. like, I mean, they should have known better. What? Okay. Yeah. Like, I can't help you. Why? So why do you think, yeah, why do you think it's so hard for people to believe that R. Kelly's a predator? And just whoever's in our face, it doesn't have to just be R. Kelly. Predators are predators when we see them. Yeah. I think that the music still slaps. <laughs> That's the problem. The music still slaps. 
And there's been times when, like, even before this documentary, like, I had to catch myself. I had to remove his stuff from my playlist. Of course. You know, like, like, no, I can't be listening to this. Or, you know, like, even, like, today, for instance, you know, my sister, she's starting a YouTube channel, and she was telling me how she was looking up, like, different songs, and she's like, girl, I had to, like, try my best to not pick... Yeah, yeah. Like, she was like, I had to do my best because it's, the song came on and I just, like, I couldn't help but to sway my body a little bit. But it's you know integrated. And then, and he's been so instrumental. But he's been so know, instrumental in you, our you pop know culture. Black people are going to still be itching to step up in the name of love. Then you got people like Erica Badu saying how she still has unconditional Ooh. love for R. Kelly. You know what I mean? Where is your unconditional love for the victims? Like, you see all the black aunties showing their ass. Uh-oh. You know what I'm Ooh. saying? And it's like, honestly, it's just, it's it's a battle because his music is literally, like, in our veins, like Michael Jackson's music. Yeah. Like, literally. Because Michael Jackson is the king of pop. R. R. Kelly is undisputed the king of R&B. I'm going to have to fight you on you know that one, saying? Jesse, but it's okay. I'm a, You know what? We're friends today. I mean, it's cool. We're going to have that the, another discussion. But, you know, it's like, you know what? I feel like he's the king of R&P, which stands for pedophilia. Okay. But, you know, <laughs> statistically, when we're talking about chart, you know, the, the billboard charts, when mm-hmm. we're talking about consistency, it's just, he has that position and it's like we have to do our due diligence to stop acknowledging him. He's no longer the king of R&B because his R&B was based on the molestation, yes. the, the sex trafficking of young, impressionable, naive teenage girls. Yeah, And I feel like if we keep, keep that at the forefront, then not listening to his music will become an easier task. Definitely. I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that, yes, the music, you're right. When it comes on, I think that there's a lot of problem, problematic music that comes on, and I say to myself, like, hey, this person's problematic. Like, sit your ass down, and yeah. we're going to get on our phone until the next song comes on. And, you know, for some people, that's, like, too drastic, but it's, like, our mini protests that we can do, but I think Mm -hmm. that we, and you're right, we have artists out here. We still have people who are supporting him. And I think it's the fabric. And I, I heard this on somebody else's Mm -hmm. show the other day where they said that their sexual awakening or like their sexual journey was like built off of like all of these R and B as songs and all of these like, you know, it's, and it's like there, it's so, it's the system, it's integrated, it's there, and you can't, it's like, you can't escape it, or, you know, you got your playlist on title, like, the 50 top love songs, and it's like, okay, boom, you know, yeah. and so yeah. it's just, it's, it's there, and we, you're right, we have to be intentional, when you think about Michael Jackson, too, after that person's story oh on the documentary, God. when they were saying that Michael Jackson's whatever song, it's like you can't even and and then when you think about it, when like Omarion came on and said like we're not doing after this tour, we're not doing these songs. It's like even when we try to escape R. Kelly, this just shows the systematic nature of it. And I think you hit the nail on yep. the head 
on one of the comments that you made about He's everywhere. Yeah, when you He's made everywhere. Yeah. When you talked about like the record companies, like the people we got to cancel is actually the record companies too, because he is so integrated because he's written so many people's songs that it's like, all right, I'm going to cancel R. Kelly. I'm going to mute R. Kelly. But he gave this and this and this and this and this and this and this song to whoever. And it's like, okay, yep. we have to do a complete wash of the Predators all over. Like, we keep talking about Harvey Weinstein. We keep talking about the mini Predators that we see every day. Like, the, the Predators we see every day, we cannot invite them to the family function. No, no more. No. <laughs> the big predators, no. we have to make sure that we're stopping their cash flow. Like, we still, I think RCA, they, they, I think they said that they were putting his music on the hiatus. They didn't completely drop him yet. And we have, uh, was not RCA, Sony. And then we have like Spotify yeah. and all those other streaming services that are still cutting the check. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, we got to go deeper than then like you know what you're saying i think what you i think you hit the nail on the head when you said we got to cancel the record companies yeah yeah you do. listen at the end of the day you really have to mute r kelly and it's like you know even now um you know you see the whole rca thing they separated yeah it's not like they got rid of him they separated and right. guess what now he about to go he about to go independent you think people not gonna? You think people not gonna buy tickets to go out and see R. Kelly? They still gonna go. I hope so not. now we have to be out there. We have to be protesting. Right. We have to be out. Like we have to take this seriously. Right. You know right. what I mean? We have to take this seriously. And you know, one thing I don't like is the fact that people keep bringing up Harvey Weinstein as if the man is not on track. Like, please educate yourself. Speak them facts. Speak them facts. Stop with the whole, oh, when white people do it. Like, we we really be sounding like we fighting to rape in peace because we're black and the white (laughs) men get away with it, so so should the black men. That part. Like, that shit is is problematic as hell. And I'm not here for it. No. I, listen. But it's like, (laughs) y'all, if you really did, if you really did the research, like, Every we're coming for everybody's next period. Like, R. Yeah. Ke- um, R. Kelly. When no people blew me when they did the well. Let's keep the same energy when the where's the Harvey Weinstein documentary? Oh lord, it's here, boo boo. It's as here if, as if we haven't had any. But Google is free god. though. Google is free. Like you could have just sat there oh and god. been like, let me see if Harvey got a he got one. So what's your excuse yeah. now? What are you gonna say now? Yeah, it's crazy to me. <laughs> so it's crazy to me. I know we running we running out of time. I want to respect your time, but I really no, want okay. I really wanted to ask you, you know, I I love how, you know, of course, I told you how much I love your platform, how you're using your videos, how, you know, you're talking openly about being a Haitian woman. And I want to get your thoughts on being a Haitian woman and talking about these topics within your household growing up, but even now as, you know, you're talking about being a survivor, what do you think is missing from our community? And what do you feel like you got support on your journey? Because I feel like growing up, like I just told my mom, we went to Haiti in September and Mm -hmm. my, and I was just telling my mom, 
um, because my aunt, my aunts live in Haiti, uh, still, and they have a house and, you know, they have maids and they got like the daughters of the maids living there. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I was saying like, Hey, like, you know, the girls are like 12 and 13 years old. It's about time we start having like some conversations with them about, you know, puberty, about, you know, mm-hmm. about all of the things you got to know being a person like sexual harassment, mm-hmm. boundaries, expressing mm-hmm. themselves freely, all of these things. And my mother was looking at me like, look, I know that you're a sex educator at home, but yeah. we don't talk about that yeah. here. And I said, but mommy, this yeah. is this is the pro. But that's the problem, though. I said, mommy, you never yeah. talk to us either. And so like. My thing about engaging in sex growing up, I was operating from a place of fear because no one told me anything and I was too scared to act. And that could have, you know, like that could have been detrimental to so many things growing up. And I was like, but you never told us about simple things like healthy relationships. And you definitely didn't tell us about complicated things like, you know, sexual assault and who do you talk to? And like her response was... You know, she reflected on a little bit. I think my mom, my mom is, you know, in her older age, like she's reflecting, she's changing. But she was right. like, you know, I always told you if somebody touches you, to let me know. That was the extent of the conversation. She always said, if somebody touches right. your body, you tell me. But it's like I work with kids, I work with adults, and I know that's not enough. And I know, especially our community. I mean, we have work to do on so many things. I mean, day to day. The thing is, it's not not a conversation that we have. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing is the whole, if somebody touches you, let me know. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah, what am I supposed to say? What does it mean? What does it mean to a child Mm. whose cousin babysits them every weekend? Mm. You know, Mm. whose cousin gives them candy, whose cousin lets them watch all the bad movies, right. whose cousin takes them a bath and touches them while they're taking a bath. Right. Like, that child is not going to come tell you anything. Right. Right. Because this is their cousin who they love. This is their cousin who you leave, with, leave them with all the time. So I feel like parents, uh, Haitian parents, have to do a better job at demonstration teaching. Yes. For instance, you know, my little sister, because I knew what happened to me, yeah. I, since the time, since before the time she could even talk clearly, you know, as I remember being like 11 years old and I would like put my hand over her private, I wouldn't touch it, yeah. but I would put my hand over her private and I would say, has anybody touched you there? Yeah. And I would keep asking her that for years. I would put my hand on her breast area and I would say, has anybody touched you there? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, and I would ask her, you know, if she said yes, I would say who? Mm -hmm. And she would say, well, when you took me a bath, Mm. you scrubbed there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I would ask her these questions, and then for years and years and years, I would ask her certain questions. I would demonstrate things for her so she understood. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot of parents, not just Haitian parents, but parents in general don't yeah. do that. Yeah. Like, and then you start, you start, you start saying, hey, this, if somebody does this to you, it's not okay. Right. So I would, I would point, I would do things to myself in front of her, not, not like, 
not yeah. like explicit. No, we get it. But yeah. I would like pat. Yeah, I would like pat on my private. If somebody does this, if they they touch you here, that's not a that's not good. Yeah. If it's not me or mommy, when we're taking your bath, they touch you there. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. You know things like that. I feel like uh, we just lack that in our community. You know, just being more specific. You know, telling telling her somebody touch you, tell, tell, let me know. <laughs> a lot of people touch. A lot of people gonna touch a child. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, what do you mean by touching? Right. And well, you'll yeah. be surprised that a lot of these kids, if you demonstrate it for them, you'll be shocked at what they tell you. Yeah. Yeah. So and so did this. Right. Or like, so and so did it. I knew it was bad, but it made my body feel good. Like, yeah, we haven't even. Yes. girl, that's the tip of the iceberg right there. We haven't even hit that yep. shit. <laughs> like, that's another thing. That's another thing. Molestation isn't always something that's ugly and that hurts. Yeah, it's not always like it's not always the case. Yeah, yeah, it's not always the case. Molestation happens a lot of times from your favorite cousin. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's your sibling. Yeah. Yeah, and we don't know, you know what to so say, you, and we don't have to the do language. A better job. Yeah, we really do, and we yeah. need to. I don't know what it's all about. I mean, it's. I think I'm. I'm constantly thinking about like the cultural aspects because I, since I do this for a living, I'm thinking about my own lessons. I'm thinking about my nephew, my nieces. I'm thinking about the kids that I teach, and so for me, it comes up because I'm like, man. I do the reflection. I do the reflection piece. Like, man, like my mom didn't, I could have been doing like, it's just so many what ifs and so many, right. I think questions that come up for me where I'm like, damn, like, do you know how dangerous? And you know, that's not to like fault parents because listen, we, they're human. They grow when we right. grow. Sometimes I took my mom to one of my classes and she was like, Oh my God. I don't even know. You know, I don't even know half of this stuff. And it's like, you know, I'm taking her where I can in a way that's comfortable, you know, for her to understand. But it's like, who sat down and and talked about that with her? And who talked about it with that person? You know, who talked about it with that person? And so you're right. We have such an education to go through. And and then when I think about the support, being able to, to be open with support as well, because... I remember being young and my mom being like, Haitian people don't go to therapy. Haitian, we don't do that. You yeah. pray. If something, they don't. I, I remember oh, being, everything is church, church, church. That's it. Oh, and I remember being in second like grade that. and getting the permission slip. Like you had to sign a permission slip for your child to see the guidance counselor. And so I brought it to her and she was like, what is this? And I was like, you know, it's to see yep. the guidance counselor. And she's like, Oh no, we pray. We pray. <laughs> I was like, okay. I'm um, telling you. All right. So even if something was happening, it's like, who am I supposed <laughs> Like, I can't tell the I'm anonymous funny. person. I can't tell the person at home. And we just have so much unpacking to do. And so it makes me think, it just, it makes me so grateful that you're using your voice and that, you know, you're put your, you know, you're using your platform for this. And before we move into listening, listener questions, I just wanted to know, how did you find your healing and what support did you have when it, you know, when you're talking about, you know, what happened to you? Um, 
like healing is something that uh, I I'm still going through. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I feel like healing is something I'm going through yeah. still. And I think that as I've um, you know relived certain moments, if you really do realize that you're not over it, mm. I don't think that you know you your body being violated is something you ever get over. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And, but I think that talking to other people yeah. and, you know, being able to relate to other people. And, and I think that that's been a part of my healing. I think that, you know, finding ways to channel that hurt um, and, you know, talking to other people. I think that that's been, I think that's been my, most of my healing process. Um, Love I'm someone who... You know, I'm someone who loves to talk to people. Mm. I'm a cancer. I'm very sensitive. And um, I feel that community is something that is very important to me. Mm. And I think that the community that I've built actually has done more for me than they think I've done for them. Mm. They've actually, you know, my sisters, my tribe, like they've actually helped me emotionally more than I could ever help them. And I think that that's how I've, I've been able to, you know, you know, just move towards healing. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's yeah, big. You just trying to get the tears. Um, you just trying to get the tears popping on the show. Okay. Oh, no, no, but it's just the truth. It's just the truth. You know, like, I have my Sister Talk live events, and, you know, people be thinking, oh, she, she's doing that for us, and although I do, yeah, a lot of times it's for me, right. because I have issues that I want to address, and I know that these issues are issues that other people want to address. Right, right. You know, sexual assault is something that a lot of people want to address. They're just scared to, to address it. Right, and so we don't know how. So why not create safe places where we can talk and you know I have this year I've been more um intentional about including therapists or psychiatrists you know on these panels with me because I want to have real answers not just a bunch of people just saying their thoughts but no I want to have <laughs> yeah what can we do yeah how do we move on yeah definitely. how do we make this a, 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 a what process do you we go through to get to the other side of trauma no, Jesse, you just come on. Like lean in for that <laughs> hug. Lean in for that hug. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> All right. So before we leave, I have a couple listener questions for you. So, like I said, I said Jesse's coming on the show. You know, like what's up? What do you want to ask? Yeah. So I have one that came from Fief. Thief says, I'm not Haitian, but I grew up in a Caribbean household where sex and sexuality was barely talked about. What advice do you have for young girls trying to navigate through the world that is filled with sex everywhere you turn? Also, what advice do you have for girls trying to figure out their sexuality when being gay is so frowned upon in Caribbean households? I know hmm. I gave I gave you a two I gave what you a two part. Question? All right, so the first question was, woo. All right, so she actually had like a, a series of three. So I'm gonna go one at a time. So she says that what advice do you have for young girls trying to navigate through the world that is filled with sex everywhere you turn, 
even because mm-hmm. in our Caribbean, she says she grew up in a Caribbean household where sex and sexuality were barely talked about. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, sex being everywhere doesn't mean that you have to be everywhere sex is. You know, mm-hmm. I've never, I, sex is not something I've always been comfortable with because mm-hmm. of my past, you know, my past trauma and experiences yeah. that I've had. So I really, I really, um, was intentional about the places I would go mm-hmm. or the place, you know, the people I would entertain, right. you know, even down to the people I would date, you know, I felt like if, if there was sexual, if there was sexual pressure there, then it was, the relationship was not for me, mm. you know, or if, if I'm around people who are just really sexually fluid and I, I, I kind of feel like it's, it's, it's a downer on me, mm-hmm. then I would just step away. You know, I mean, you know, and it doesn't make, it doesn't mean that those people are bad. It just means that they're just bad for you. Yeah. Obviously, this is an area that you're really not comfortable with and you have the decision. You can make the decision to not surround yourself with certain things that remind you of, of, you know, things that you don't want to be reminded of. Yeah. You know, and as far as owning your sexual identity when it's been you squashed, know, be when it's been squashed at home, yeah, yeah. I, you know, you are who you are, and like I told the story earlier, like one of my friends, he was he, I knew him in high school. In high school, he was a lady man, and a couple years after high school, he just went gay. Yeah, and the thing is, we all thought he went gay, but he was always gay. He just didn't want to be gay because. You know, he felt that that's not what everybody else saw him as. And that's not, you know, he was afraid. And it was like, you know, I said, well, when did you know you were gay? He said, I always knew I was gay. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going to get easier, you hiding your sexuality or you not owning your sexuality. It's only going to get tougher. And here's the thing is that do you want to do you want to hide yourself from the world? No. As a matter of fact, the world is such a beautiful place when you are who you are. People will accept you. And if they don't, fuck them. That's it. People will accept you. You know... Being gay is not bad. Being gay is not wrong. (laughs) Being gay is what you... That's how you were born. Right. And guess what? There's something for everybody. There's someone for everybody. There is happiness for everybody, no matter your background. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. It makes me. It makes me think about Fief's question. The thing that makes me think about Fief's question is, like I was just telling you, uh, when I was in Thailand, and you know, me and my mom are having this talk about trans folks, and she said, "My biggest fear growing." She was like, "I'm so glad that you guys are grown up now. Whew, I'm so glad I didn't have to deal with like my kids being gay." And I was like, "Mummy." That's not the worst thing in the world. She was like, it was the worst thing for me. And it was like, are you kidding? Right. Like, I was looking at her like, are you kidding? I've always had this question. Like, how do Haitian people handle their kids coming out, their kids being gay? Because they be acting a whole entire fool out here. And I right. think to to think about what Fief is saying in the in the question as well 
is that the way that I've navigated so many things with my mom that she was not satisfied. I teach, I teach sex for a living. My mom, <laughs> at first my mom was right. looking at me like, I'm sorry, I sent you to school to be a doctor, nurse, right. Right. engineer, like all of these things. And it's like, no, that's not what I want to do. I'm tied to public health. This is my passion. And she didn't like it for a while, but she right. had to get on the train. And I feel like Caribbean parents, they're so into the scare tactics that it suppresses us. There was such a long time where I was just like wondering every single thing. Well, I wonder what my mom's going to think. I wonder, oh my God, like, what is she going to do? What right. is she going to say? And it's in, it's ingrained. Like I still, like, I feel like I go through some things sometimes. I'm like, I wonder what she's going to say when it's like American culture is like you grown, you blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I feel like right. it's in us and I feel like for Fief, like you have to, they're going to, if they don't jump on board, that's their problem. They're missing out, but you have to live your life for you because we can't, we cannot do it for other people. We are going to be miserable. We're going right. to be depressed. And guess what? They don't know how to handle depression either. So you might as well just live your right. best life because they're definitely not going to give you support when it comes right. to dealing with your depression, dealing with anxiety that comes from dealing with their shenanigans. And they know that they love you deep down. Like they know that they're acting right. up. They're putting on a show for what they think is happening. Like I had to call my mom out because she always had this thing with like, you know, you, you're not supposed to get, you supposed to get married. You supposed to do things quote the right way. Right. Girl, my sister came home, my sister came home pregnant and I was looking at her like, and, and like, and she was like, that's not, you know, you don't know what people are going to say about me. What people are. It's like, girl, if you don't, if you don't get just, they're worried about mm-hmm. others. They're not worried about themselves. And so you have to be comfortable in your skin and do what's best for you. And in my experience, they're going to eventually come around. They're going, they, they have to have that coming to Jesus moment for themselves to really get through whatever bias or whatever shit is just keeping them from just embracing the life that you are living and not burdening right. <laughs> and not burdening them right. with. Okay. Nobody asks you your opinion, sis. So <laughs> Right. Right. Period. Period. And so the last the the second, I guess the third part question is with the Me Too movement being so big, how are you feeling about being a woman? It might be taking a toll on some on some women. So what do you suggest for women who are victims or women who know others to be victims, how can they be advocates? I think that every woman should be an advocate for the Me Too movement. I hate when I see uh, women trying to, you know, um, bash the movement. Like there was this white lady last week who was who was saying, oh, in the age of Me Too movement, of the Me Too movement, how do you think that this twerk video by City Girls... Oh, is shut up! The, Are you the, kidding? The Me Too movement. And it's like, lady, you you do know that twerking should not be a prerequisite to rape, right? <laughs> like, you, you, it's like, hello, like, are you are you okay? Like, no. you know, white women, white womening, you know what I'm saying? Well, girl, like, okay. hello, Come like, on. can we all stand with each other? Because we stood by y'all when Trump was out here grabbing pussies, Girl, okay? We have no... we have. But no then words. y'all didn't stand with us when it came time to vote. 
Girl. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, just things like that. It's like, we all need to be standing together. When one woman is assaulted, we're all assaulted mm-hmm. when you think about it. When one woman is assaulted and everybody turns a blind eye, that's an L for all women, not just that particular woman. Right. That's right. an L for us all because it just sends the notion, it sends the message out that, you know what? It's cool. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to do nothing. Anybody, you know, whatever. It's cool. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. not cool. No. Appreciate that. All right, and the second yeah. question, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how you feel about this question. The second question was, how scripted, <laughs> how scripted is Love and Hip Hop Miami? You know what? <laughs> um, honestly, girl, looking back on my experience, yeah, I wish that I would have had. I wish I would have done all the fake shit that I was told to do. Mm, because Uh-oh. the people that do the fake shit are the people that win. And I'm going to leave it at that. Oh. And with that, <laughs> Jesse, thank you so... I can't, I can't even thank you. I can't... Sister, messy on Pia, <laughs> I appreciate you being on. I just... Thank you for your energy. Thank you for your insights. Thank you for what you're doing. Where can listeners find you? Do you have any upcoming events? What's next? And how can we support your work? Um, yeah, I mean, I just did Sister Talk Live in Brooklyn this past weekend. The next Sister Talk Live is going to be in Miami, hey. February 16th. You know, I have Power Star Live coming out with Will Packer every Wednesday at 4 p.m. to 4.30, starting February 6th on Twitter, owned by Twitter, executively produced by Will Packer. No way! Did I say Will Packer is producing the show yet? Yeah. Well, Packer's tell us more. What's what's Power and Star? What's, what's Power Star Live? Like, what do you do? What are you doing? Tell yeah, us. It's, it's going to be a live show um, on Twitter, and it's going to be a show that's going to focus in on the diverse, the diversified conversations that happen on Twitter, mm-hmm. from the, the clap back to <laughs> you know to the hashtags like Me Too. You know, and it's going to make sure that the people that are leading the conversation get their credit. Dope. I love that. Yeah. All right. What else you got? Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, that's about it. Oh, I'm definitely working on music. So, love. you know, stay tuned for that. It's going to come out soon. And, you know, be Jesse Wu on every social media platform. It's the easiest way to stay up to date with everything I do. Listen, you know, I had your chestnuts roasting on the open fire playing in the background. Uh, yeah. You know. Okay, I was shocked that people liked it. <laughs> but I'm nervous about, you know, my own music. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm, hopeful. I'm hopeful that people will like it. No, we got you. No, it was so exciting because when Christmas came around, you know how you just be working and it's like, boom, it's Christmas or it's boom, whatever holiday. And I was just not, right. I was just not feeling it. But you, you had that ch- chestnut Ch- hold on hold on chestnut oh no no wait hold on i'm off key i'm off key um but no it was so great that you know you put out your little uh, your 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 christmas album and i loved it so thank you all right we're going to be looking yeah. forward to it we're going to be supporting you in all of your endeavors but before you get out of here i want to know how do you build your badge esteem so badge esteem is Ooh. a concept that i came up with 
about four years ago now. And basically, it's a concept that I believe by which if a person with a vagina takes a look at their mm. vagina, cares for their vagina, loves up on their vagina, mm. they will have a mm. more satisfying and healthy sex life. So how do you Amen. build your your vagisteam? You know, my vagisteam is good. I take <laughs> care of my vagina. I make sure she's nice and clean and fresh. She has not had any company for o- over 10 months. I'm sorry. So she's kind of lonely, but... <laughs> She is hopeful for the future. <laughs> Jesse, thank you so much again for taking the time out to be on the show. We will definitely support everything that's coming up. Can't wait to see your new show on Twitter. Can't wait to thank keep you. seeing you on Love and Hip Hop. Like, I don't know why you didn't whoop at. No, no, no. That's a different show. You we know. Don't talk- <laughs> <laughs> that's we a don't different talk- show, girl. You know, the WWE. Right. We're going to talk about but, that another time. But maybe because- I would do well on that. Listen, <laughs> girl, my blood, I was, I was catching up today. I was catching up today. My blood pressure was just, I was like, why, 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 why? You really being patient out here. So we love you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being our sister in chief. And Thank I can't you. wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on your platform. Wishing you all the best. And I definitely look forward to talking to you guys again. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Jesse Wu. Please remember to follow Vagisteam on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Send in your questions to me on each of those social media platforms. DM me. You can also email your questions to Vagisteam at gmail.com. Or you could text them to 443-692-7802. Remember to rate the podcast, follow the podcast wherever you listen to it. The more that you spread the word, the more that people learn about the podcast. Tag a friend, let people know about it. Use the hashtag PodIn and let folks know that you love the Vagistine podcast. Also, we have an event for next week. On February 7th at Sangria Patio Bar in Baltimore, Maryland, we are having a sex talk happy hour on relationships and dating. Get your ticket, RSVP, so I know how many people are in the room. Get your ticket at sextalkhh.eventbrite.com. Looking forward to seeing everyone there. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Bye.